Welcome to Future of Data podcast. In this episode, we'll talk to Sean Naismith around what is decision management system and all about it. So, stay tuned. So, um welcome you all to the episode of the Future of Data podcast. Uh Today we have with us Sean Naismith with Innova. He's head of analytics at, at Innova. So, welcome Sean to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Vishal. My name is Sean Naismith, uh, head of analytics services for Innova Decisions. We're the 11th and newest brand of Innova International, uh, who's an international lender uh, from the near prime, sub prime, and small business spaces in uh, multiple countries around the world. beautiful so yeah so let's let's talk about um your journey uh what what's your background and why you decide to be in this um, amazing field and love to know your background and and where you're coming from absolutely so i've spent many years uh, in both the financial services space and also the performance digital marketing space so my uh my world has always been around consumer obsessed applications uh, around a uh, consumer journey and delivering that optimal consumer experience. And what you find especially in the financial space is as the regulatory requirements increase, it becomes harder and harder to perform analytics in a silo. Uh, there's far more context than just running a predictive model uh like it might be in for instance digital marketing where it might be the wild wild west when you when you uh, place a bid for an, a display advertisement. um there's many more considerations and because of that uh when the opportunity came up around building a decision management system uh, for other businesses using the infrastructure of a Nova International a publicly traded company it made a, a a lot of sense to me so jumped on the opportunity beautiful so i think you th- you threw a couple of keywords here so decision management system i think we 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 uh, very soon will go over what what exactly is that So why don't we discuss about um Innova decisions what exactly it is and and what is Innova and, and where it's 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 uh, uh fitting in so just so that's where so, so our audience will know where you're coming from Absolutely so internally we have a service oriented architecture uh we have a very large software engineering team it's one of the largest teams uh inside of Innova and a very large analytics team and to power our online brands we need to have low latency systems that are agile that can have analytics models that live in context and that context is business rules optimization compliance and legal frameworks um so to manage that and to meet the internal requirements of always be learning quick delivery best answer wins we needed a robust decision management system to house and power all those real-time decisions that need to be made uh across the consumer journey. Interesting. And and your your clientele primarily are um rest of the business units within Innova or are you sell it to external as well? Sure. So the the good news is we have internal brands that we serve as internal clients. And Innova Decisions as a brand was uh, initiated last year and that's where we're bre- we're bringing the uh, decision management system to other businesses. So that could be not only in the financial services vertical around underwriting, fraud uh, prevention, 
uh, identity verification, but other verticals like insurance and the insure tech movement, uh, higher education or education tech. Um, it could be real estate. Uh, there's many verticals that uh, can have the benefits of real-time decisioning and real-time analytics uh, to power operational decisions. So it's not just internal brands, it's definitely external brands across industry verticals. Interesting, interesting. So let's, let's, let's uh, talk about decision management systems. What exactly is that? And, and, and tell us something about what it is. Absolutely. So a decision management system is more or less an emerging category of system. So you might have analytics as a service, which is a subset really of software as a service. And we definitely fall into that category, but we go beyond just hosting predictive models for real-time activation. Uh, there's also the hosting of business rules and decision flows. So I'll give an example. Uh, loan origination as a decision flow. It's more complex than just a single credit scorecard. Uh, it could be first a set of business rules around the application, right? Is this person 18? Are they in a country that we lend in? Things of that nature. And there's no point in pulling expensive credit reports against an application when the application itself isn't even eligible for a loan. So having a decision flow maximizes the return on investment of that process. Underwriting expenses are uh, one of the number one expenses banks and financial institutions like ourselves look at, uh, and it needs to be kept under control. And by having versions of decision flows and constantly testing new flows, that's how you add value. It's not just in the predictive model, it's in the entire process and the context that that model lives in. So decision management systems really around business rules, predictive models, optimization routines, also hooks into third-party data providers. So you need to be pulling data from fraud providers, ID verification providers, credit reporting agencies, marketing data providers. All that needs to be kept in context and part of that flow, and it's a critical component. And also hypothesis testing. I've discussed a little bit about testing decision flows, but to be able to turn on and off hypothesis testing frameworks to see how different flows react and perform relative to each other with statistical reporting measures. Interesting, interesting. So um, typically, so what are, so um, are these decision management systems autonomous or, or do does a company need to provide their own sort of uh, workforce and and data or how how to structure these uh, if, if if i am i think that's where i'm heading to if i'm a business and i want to implement that what do i need from my end and what do you what do you provide that's a great question so with uh, the businesses we work with they're looking to uh, supplement or uh, completely turn over two main things uh, one could be the building and construction of analytic models, decision flows, and optimization routines. We consider that a, a light consulting uh, approach that we take. We leverage a very large data science team uh, that's run by Joe DeCosmo uh, across risk, fraud, portfolio, marketing, financial analytics. And uh, we leverage our team to build decision flows and predictive models for our clients. That's a, that's a very large component of something a company might not be able to do internally for themselves. I mean, many of your listeners might have uh, built or are trying to build advanced analytics teams. As we know, the demand is very high for those professionals, it's expensive, and if it's a new capability that you're trying to build internally, 
you might not even know what to look for in the right candidate. So if you need support building models, we absolutely bring that support to the table. The second side of the equation is the activation of predictive models and decision flows. So if you look at pain points across analytics teams, one of the primary pain points is we built a model and then it sat on the shelf and collected dust. We were never able to activate it in production and realize the benefits of that model. Because a model requires more than just coefficients, right, or a structure. It needs to be on a high-speed technical platform with low latency, version control, uh, uptime requirements, and all the technical requirements and service levels uh, that are needed of a production-level system. So that's where a decision management system comes in. A good decision management system should have low latency, high flexibility, and the ability to be integrated in a software, uh, as a in a service-oriented architecture. So there's a simple API call that needs to be made from the client side. We execute the rest of the decision flow and return the decision and other metadata that's needed, maybe a score or in the lending space, a notice of adverse action, uh, things like that to fulfill the additional requirements of that decision. Interesting, interesting. And, and thank you so much for sharing that uh, with us. So I think what, when I was looking at your profile uh, and, and I was doing some research, I was uh, reading a lot about analytics as a service or analytics as, as so do you, what exactly is that and how it is linked to DMS, uh, decision management system? If you can, if you can shed some light on that will be useful. Absolutely. So I think of the components of a decision management system, the hosting of predictive models, and if, uh, if the company also provides a consulting approach to build models is really the focus of analytics as a service. Um, you can even go a step further with um, automated, so online learning models. That just simply means that the model is updated as it interacts with its environment. So uh, there's many synonyms for that. And, um, you know, the artificial intelligence has been used, uh, reinforcement learning. There's many uh, terms for um, online learning algorithms. But that's absolutely something that could be integrated into a decision management system. So to answer your question, I think analytics as a service is a subset of software as a service. But decision management systems build on analytics uh, as a service platforms to incorporate more. And that more includes, again, the, the integrations into third-party data vendors, the hosting of business rules, and all those capabilities, along with audit trail automation and uh, optimization routines. So, I think there's just more services that are part of a decision management system that's separated from maybe just a pure analytics as a service uh, provider. Interesting, interesting. Uh, thank you for sharing that. So I think one thing that I was thinking about uh, when I was uh, uh, sort of reading about, about Innova and, and your profile was that um, analytics has a competitive edge, right? So what? So do you believe in that idea of uh, analytics as one of the competitive edge nowadays? And I think one of the one of the sort of uh, the segue into that is if if it is, then why do you think it's an it's an edge? And if it's not, why it's not? So if you can if you can shed some light. So I think analytics has always been and always will be um, requirements of having an, a, a a competitive edge. Now I'd like to really frame it more as what type of decision requires analytics. So you can have strategic decisions that are made at the executive level. Obviously, there's a different type of analytics that need to be produced to provide insights for better strategic decisions. Those strategic decisions then flow into tactical decisions. 
those are executed by managers and organizations, right? Um, from there, they flow into operational decisions. And really, a decision management system, in our opinion, is the automation and maintenance of those operational decisions. And uh, maybe a value add and kind of closing the loop is providing feedback into strategic decisions from the output of operational decisions. So we really frame how we think about uh, analytics in the term of a decision. What are the decisions that an organization makes on an ongoing basis that will be best served by having predictive analytics or need to be controlled through audit trails or uh, a rigorous hypothesis testing framework. So to your point, and actually to your question, I think every business can benefit from analytics, whether it's strategic, tactical, or operational, really depends on that business. And then finding the correct system to support that decision-making process is critical when selecting a service provider or whether to determine do we build this uh, in-house or do we buy it and have a, a service provider uh, provide that function. I think that's that's a very good point. And I think um, that leads me to my next question, which is actually, I and it's it's kind of a tangent from where we are, but uh, but it, it, it's relevant uh, for the topic. So I think I have found myself in several conversation uh, around, so whenever I, so I pitch, business as art and, and, and engineering or the science uh, as science, right? So so typically now there is, with the emergence of analytics, it's, it's kind of a, a slippery slope. So analytics is more science, trying to be art, right? So now with more and more uh, these sophisticated uh, capabilities of, of relying on predictive models and relying on analytics, are you or aren't you sort of... Um, uh, sacrificing the art of doing business by by having more science in it uh, and making it more predictable rather than that's my core competency used to be I think and, and one of the biggest worry is what if with the next upgrade my core competency is washed out so like what so what what are some of your thoughts on it's um, on, on on this area love love to love to know that absolutely so uh, I actually think that better analytics tools will be providing almost more uh, brushes in, in the, the kit for, for artists, right? So if business uh, leaders are artists, the more capabilities you have to power insights at every level of the business, the more tools you have to be creative, right? I mean, 20 years ago, I couldn't imagine injecting real-time decisioning and uh, predictive models into some of the business processes we're looking at now, like, ECH transactions or into collections, right? And I would say it just complements, it further complements the art of business because now you're able to say, I have a new team with new capabilities and they can move faster than ever before. And that gives me actually more creative freedom and more creative power to, to compete against, right? I think business leaders that understand the capabilities of their analytics teams and understand how to translate that into a competitive edge are going to be the most creative. And we can see that right now with the analytics competitors in the world, right? The Google, the Apple, the Netflix of the world, the, hey, the Innova Internationals of the world that are competing on analytics, driving market share. It's a big part of our story and how we do business. And, you know, one of our core values here at Innova International is the best answer wins, right? And that's not just answers from humans, right? That's now answers from machines. 
And I think that's important to driving our company culture and other companies um, as far as the art. So to your question, I think it only complements and provides more creative, uh, more creative options uh, for business leaders. And one other point on that, I think the emergence of the chief analytics officer as a role in the C-suite is evidence of that. No, I think you you have a very strong point, and I think uh, very well said. I couldn't agree more on that. So now now let's uh, segue into um, a business that is not well versed in the in in the science of doing analytics. How is that uh, world is getting changed because of um, uh, decision management system platforms? Because I think. I'm I I don't know what you're talking about. It's too gibberish for me, and I know that my all of my golf buddies are talking about the same thing. How can I sound somewhat relevant in that conversation? So, what are some of some of your takes on how it is impacting? How the 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 science of it is impacting the business side? It's a great question, and I think if businesses focus on turning their decisions into assets and what they focus on is a great way to start. So every business leader understands the decisions they make in their business. And it's not foreign to any business leader to know that how decisions get made and the quality of those decisions drive profitability and competitive edge. So I wouldn't think of it as, oh, how do we integrate a support vector machine into our decision-making process? That, that's useless. I think what is important is what are the key decisions that are repeatable that we can potentially inject intelligence into. And I think that's a question any business leader can ask themselves and identify with their teams. Once those decisions are identified, you can then look to service providers, right, if you don't want to build it yourself, to help us gather and understand how to make this decision better. You could look for, uh, put out an RFP to say, we're looking to improve this decision. What are the tools and techniques that are possible and how do we prove that? And I think that's something any business can do. And really it revolves around, now that we know the decision, what data is available at, that at the time of decision, right? What's the first party data? What's the potential second and third party data that we could pull into this? And then how do we model it? And do we provide the results to humans or do we provide it to a machine, right? And then start to integrate it from there. But I think framing it as a decision is the, the right, the first place you should start. Interesting, um, interesting thought. So now let's talk about, um, let's, uh, I'm a small business, right? So it's, it's again, uh, I'm still struggling with this idea of uh, tech and all that, right? So you, you raised some of the interesting point of how to get started. When is the ideal time for me to start thinking about investing in something like decision management systems? Or, 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 or am I already in it? So what, what are some of your thoughts? I think if you have an operational decision that recurs uh, on an ongoing basis that, that could be standardized, uh, I think once you identify a decision that fits that criteria, you now have a candidate for a decision management system, and that's when you could be ready. Uh, some businesses simply don't have those type of decisions, right? And in that case, you might not need a decision management system. But for the most part, most small, medium, large businesses have some sort of repeated decision that can be modeled, that can benefit from rigor and testing and improvements and the injection of predictive analytics to make it smarter. 
Interesting. I think you raised a very good point that uh, repeatable decisions, as soon as you hit that, um, you need some systems to sort of optimize that. I think, uh, thank you for sharing that. And, and now let's talk about a bunch of analytics as a platform or analytics as a service use cases that you are seeing or, or, or sort of bunch of portfolio of companies that are you that are using this these software or, or capabilities and what are some of those some of um, the findings or decisions you are helping these companies with absolutely so uh, let's maybe first start with telecommunications uh, one of the greatest challenges uh, telecommunications companies face is having subscribers stay on their service. And subscribers can leave. We all own a cell phone these days. We all know when we're frustrated with our service and we reach our breaking point and we feel like, okay, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I'm switching providers. Um, if you can model that based on consumer behavior, not just about payments, but around usage, right? What does data usage look like over time? How does that compare to text? How does that compare to voice? Also, how does it compare to how they historically used their device? And also, how does it compare to the rest of my population? You could also look at link analysis. So what other folks on the network, who are they calling the most? What does that network look like? Has there been any churners or attrition in their local network? Um, you can also pull in potentially third-party data on that consumer. And the goal is to model out not only what's the probability on an ongoing basis of a consumer leaving the service over X amount of days or weeks, um, but also what are the potential interventions we can take to keep that person on our service? And also, given that we give that intervention, what's the probability we keep them and how many months and what's the projected revenue? So if you have all those figures estimated with intelligence, you can then rank order which customers you reach out to first, who's most priority uh, to your business to have the optimal intervention at the right time to keep them on your service and improve uh, overall customer satisfaction and also improve your key performance indicators around consumer churn and profitability. Uh, so it's a win-win for both consumers and the business. The consumers have a better customer experiences, the, the business, has a greater profitability and growth, and that's a key decision that's repeatable, right? Because think about it. Every day, every week, every month, you're, sub you're scoring your subscriber base, the probability of leaving, what can we do to keep them and make them happy? That's a repeatable decision. It's operational. It fits exactly the criteria of what's optimal on a decision management system. Interesting, interesting. So let's now let's talk about decision lifecycle with 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 decision management system. So if you can sort of uh, walk us through uh, from from the very initial moment and 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 when the decision is delivered, like what what is the decision lifecycle looks like? Sure. So um, a decision process lifecycle. The first starts with modeling the decision. So that really starts with what is the final outcome? What do we need to decide? Is it an approve or deny on a consumer for credit, right? Is it a intervene with a customer uh, in telecommunications because they might be leaving or don't? Uh, those are the basic questions you need to ask yourself at the beginning of modeling. From there, you need to ask yourself, what are the sub-decisions? What other decisions do we need to make to arrive at that final decision? In loan origination, it could be, is this person of age? It could be that the application data I spoke about earlier. 
It could be, were we able to verify their identity? Are they who they say they are? From there, are they, is there any fraudulent intent, intent of harm? And then finally, it could be, are they worthy of credit? Should we extend them credit according to our criteria? So those sub-decisions are really the next phase in decomposing the, the macro decision into sub-decisions. From there, you need to identify what are the data input data, the data sources that are required for each sub-decision. Also, what are the knowledge sources and business rules that are needed at each sub-decision level? And once you have that framework, you could then start to put together a decision flow. So the decision flow looks like what is the first thing we can do that is the lowest cost that is going to answer a sub-decision that gives us a, a breaker, right, a threshold on whether or not this overall decision is going to be a yes or a no, for example, right? And the example earlier was, is this person of age to receive a loan? You don't need to do anything else in that decision flow if that applicant doesn't uh, meet that criteria. And then from there, you systematically go through and understand each step in that decision process. Now, when it comes to the predictive models, obviously some of these decisions, um, sub-decisions are powered by predictive models. Uh, a credit scorecard, right, is based on a predictive model. Or fraud, fraud identification could be both supervised, semi-supervised, and unsupervised learning models that are also powered by hard business rules. So that could be a collection of models with certain thresholds. So as you can see, it gets very complex. There's many teams that need to be involved, from analytics teams uh, to compliance and legal to business owners, uh, to make sure that every stakeholder that has a say in a sub-decision or, or is responsible for a knowledge source or is responsible for a piece of input data is part of that process. Once that decision flow is fleshed out, it could then be coded into the decision management system and from there tested. Usually there's a user acceptance testing process and a production output validation process. Does the decision match up with what we expected during the data study phase when we created these models in R, Python, SAS, whatever your, your modeling platform is, do these two things match up? And then once you have verification and confidence, you could then go to a production setting and monitor the system. From there, you could see the results. You can make sure that the system is, it has low latency, has high uptime, and all the technical performance measures are kit. You could also monitor the statistical performance. What is the output of these models? Uh, do the distributions line up with expectations? Um, are the approval rates appropriate within expectations? Also monitoring the input variables, all those input values, are those up to expectations? And then once you are confident, you can start building new hypotheses around how can we improve this decision flow, right? What if we add in additional logic into that fraud sub-decision? Or what if we test out this new data vendor for uh, credit reporting variables to include in this uh, underwriting model? You can build those and then start running champion challenger tests to see how that decision flow performs relative to the other decision flows. Of course, you always need to keep in mind the statistical confidence, power of the test, how many samples you need to collect, running a controlled experiment, all of that applies. Um, and then once you have a, champ a challenger model that beats the champion, you have a new decision flow. So it was a long answer, but it's a very complicated question, right? Building a decision right. flow is complex, especially when you have multiple submodels. No, I think, uh, and, and, and thank you so much for walking us through it, because I think this gives definitely gives our user a perspective of 
what a DMS uh, or decision through this DMS looks like. So I think that that will be really helpful. And I think last week I was in one of the conversation with one of the retail guys uh, from Midwest and uh, their concern was, hey, you know, we never realized that our uh, users or buyers also hang around on Snapchat. And now my platforms are not equipped. And, and, and so I think that brings me to this point of uh, how does uh, our, our decisions uh, management system handle a scenario where the customer landscape itself is changing. So if uh, now customers are hanging in new, new different platforms and I have no visibility on that as a business, now I need to pull in extra additional resources or, 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 or data sources so would would these DMS work with other third-party vendors too uh, that I have to deal with, or or like how does that interaction work when the the the, the customer expectation or the positioning changes? That's a great question. So, and to your question earlier, are humans going to get replaced, right, as more of these decisions? <laughs> and I think you just gave a great example of a time when a decision management system allows people to be more creative. You freed them up from the constant operational decision making so now they can explore the space and say, wow, there's a new platform Snapchat that my users are on. How do I integrate this into my existing framework? And it's a great point, right? With a robust decision management system, for instance, we're always looking at new data vendors. We have a very robust IT risk, compliance, and legal uh, framework that provide either integrator partners or activation partners uh, need to pass certain thresholds to be on our platform. Uh, so whether it's social data um, to pull in on social listening or whether it is an activation platform like a, a bidding tool or a loan origination system, there, there's certain thresholds you need to meet from a compliance perspective. Um, whether it's identified by our team uh, through our constant analysis of the marketplace or whether it's identified on the client side, either way it's a win and we're excited that we have a way to enhance the decision flow. From there, we figure out how do we test this, what data is available. For instance, Snapchat, what data are they making available? How can we activate predictive models uh, on the Snapchat platform? And how we view that world is integration partners, which provide us data, and activation partners. Where can our clients activate the models in existing frameworks? And uh, whether it's a new integrator or activation partner, we're happy to explore those relationships and add it to our, our, our robust uh, list of partners that we have in the marketplace. Interesting, interesting. And I think one one uh, when you were when you were saying this, I think one thing that that came to my mind um, that came to my mind was there had been too much talks about wall in this country recently. So that brings us to a point of um, globalization, right? So for some of the companies who are transnational or sort of who are in multiple locations. How would they approach uh, deploying these de these decision management systems? Because they have to take care of the trade and technology. They have both of these uh, interfaces they have to interact with. So do you have uh, some thoughts around how would a company which is transnational would go about uh, deploying these capabilities? Absolutely. So uh, there's multiple ways to, to do that. Um, some countries have certain regulations, right? Uh, one of our clients is in China. Uh, we actually have an instance of our entire decision management system hosted in China that's able for them to access. Now, uh, I don't know if any of your listeners have um, built software, hosted software in China. Uh, there's a lot of hurdles you have to go through. So for us, it's 
a competitive advantage where we have a very large and talented legal and compliance team uh, that's able to work our way through and have a robust offering uh, overseas. So what I would say to your international clients is make sure you know the regulations and your legal team is aware of what we're trying to solve for. Make sure you work with a, a company that has done it before and uh, that's something Innova International has done. We're the largest subprime lender in England, right? We, we have businesses in Australia, Canada, Brazil, China, so we're international as well and we understand those hurdles. Uh, another thing to take into consideration is the ability to um, have the decision management uh, an instance deployed either on-premise or in a private cloud. So if, it's, if the public cloud is just not an option, uh, finding a decision management system that is able to deploy uh, in, in uh, a variety of places is also an advantage. So you know, ideally you're able to report against that at an enterprise level. You have a vis uh, visibility across uh, your entire businesses with how decisions are being made and uh, that usually requires uh, a platform that is uh, uh, cross borders and has experience doing that. Interesting, interesting. Um, so now I think now let's let's talk about the the agility of these systems or, or uh, how adaptable these systems are to, to sort of these uh, changing times. So if I got to decide which system to go for. Like, are there any types of di uh, digital management systems that are, that exist today out there, or what are some of the some of the initial sort of thoughts that I should go through before trying and talking to vendor like Innova and, and uh, to to work on getting a DMS installed or, or capability installed in my business? Absolutely. Um, what I would say is first understand is this really just for one decision or is this more of an infrastructure play, right? Is it's very possible that you have localized analytics in your business and you might have one team or even sub team that has a, you know, is more advanced with their analytics capabilities, has identified a certain decision that can be automated and really just focuses with that one decision in mind. And that might not be the best path for the rest of the business. So catching that early on and saying, okay, if this does work and we do see value from onboarding this decision management system, what are the next steps? Are we going to want to onboard other decisions made in other departments? And if so, can this system handle it? Right? Do you really want to be having five to seven, ten different decision management systems for different departments? It could get very complex and then you start to lose the agility and also one of the key benefits of a robust decision management platform, which is one point of integration, um, having that holistic um, enterprise-wide uh, framework in mind when looking at data providers is important. So I'd say if you do have a candidate decision, then start thinking to the next step, where would we potentially deploy this next, and is it bigger than just this one decision? And once you have that in mind, start looking for platforms that fulfill future requirements, not just uh, current uh, today requirements. Interesting, interesting. So, um, beautiful point by, by the way. I think and and when it was when you were saying this, I think one thing came to my mind about there has been a lot of anxiety around analysis paralysis, right? So m most of the business worry about how much do I have to think, and am I overthinking about this problem or not? So how would a platform or system like these help or contribute in in, in any capacity? To help me say, okay, this is the optimal decision making that uh, that 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 I've been served with. So, any thoughts on that? Sure. Uh, I would first say that 
technical prowess is no longer uh, a necessity to compete on analytics. It used to be you need big data engineers, uh, you need a very advanced uh, software team and analytics team to be able to compete on analytics. Uh, that's no longer the case because of companies like our decision management systems in general. Um, you're able to outsource those uh, core competencies and areas of expertise. To analysis paralysis, um, you want to pick a system that will provide best-in-class analytics and decision flow support, absolutely. Um, but if you have time frames and you say, well, as long as we have something that out of the gate makes us money and makes us more efficient, let's get that in market and then start to test and learn, I think that's the most important. So when we work with clients, we have a very, a very specific decision in mind that we need to model and execute against. And coming back to my point earlier, if you know what that decision is and you're focused on how do we make that decision better, it makes analysis paralysis less of a problem. Because then you start to realize, okay, it's just this one decision for now. We have a future roadmap, but we have ways to make it more robust in the future but we have a better way as of this moment. So let's get that into production. We have an agile system. It's a simple API call. We manage the rest. And then from there, we could test and learn through the hypothesis uh, testing framework. And just that test and learn mentality is part of a culture as well. No, I think that's a very good point. Uh, having a decision flow, I think definitely, uh, and, and thank you for sharing that, uh, would, would certainly help with the, with, with the paralysis situation. So very good point. Uh, and now let's talk about somehow you can't have analytics talk without talking about AI nowadays. So how would uh, decision support systems or decision management systems work with AI? Like, do they have, uh, so are they available as third party solutions that could sort of talk to these platforms or are uh, the providers Send themselves recruiting these capabilities and giving uh, to vendors. So, what's the case with the Innova's case? If you can, if you can shed some light on that. Absolutely. So, um, artificial intelligence is more, you know, it's kind of a broad term. You know, you see some reports that talk about even a logistic regression as being artificial intelligence <laughs> in a scorecard. Um, other, just think of neural networks and uh, any online, maybe machine learning uh, paradigm that learns. Um, as interactions come in to full cognitive computing, right? So I guess it, to, it really depends where you draw the line in the sand with artificial intelligence as a term. But how I see it is artificial intelligence can power parts of a decision flow. And it's a component in that decision flow. So it could either be hosted on that decision platform or it could have uh, API calls out to artificial intelligence platforms. Uh, there's some platforms that specialize in certain AI uh, applications. And if the results of that artificial intelligence can be incorporated as a sub-decision, that's a great candidate for an integration partner into our platform that could then be put into a decision flow for the ultimate answer and monitoring. So to your question, there's, there's multiple ways to go about it, but I think the integration route is, is vital because different AI companies have different expertise and uh, whether it's built in-house or if it's accessed through there, as long as it's properly structured in that decision flow, monitored and tested against, you're gonna be able to see gains. Interesting, interesting. And um, that's a very good point. And I think uh, one thing that I was thinking about is 
some of the challenges and opportunities that exist in the current decision management systems so what are some of what are what are your thoughts around what are some of the opportunities or challenges that the current ecosystem has um just to give a clarity on what am i up against like what are some of the things that you even use you sort of feel maybe someday whatever we could have fixed this or support so what are some of those if if you can share well the first i'd say is it's both a, an opportunity and uh and something that's a weakness right now and that's just education of the space it's moving very fast it's robust and uh there's a lot of uh move components to a decision management system and a lot of synonyms for that matter uh so education of of clients is critical right now and i've had a call where um we were discussing building a new uh predictive model and as we started to explain everything that a decision management system does the prospect said i didn't even know this existed this is what we were looking to build in house right so even the concept and the name decision management system right uh isn't isn't forefront in the minds of prospects and and uh potentially consumers that are building these systems so i think education is right now critical what are the capabilities of these systems how do they integrate with existing architectures and how do we maximize the value uh of a decision management system so we don't have to build it ourselves and i think that's a critical component interesting and i think um uh one thing definitely that i i i i liked about i think when you when you initially uh stated about the the relevance of decision management system is if it's a repeatable uh decision then yes let's go for it so let's talk about the non repeatable stuff right so you figured something out you acted on it and then let me know you figured something out and you acted on it how far are we from that uh, uh sort of flavor of decision support system in which i don't really have to really wake up from my sleep when some decision is taken like they figured something out they reacted on it and all i care is uh, my bottom line is not impacted so how far are we from from that journey that's a great question um i i think as you get further into tactical and strategic decisions and i think that's kind of where that question is right you're no longer just looking for a decision management system to execute against operational decisions you're now asking them to help managers right in tactical decision making and that i would say is is quite a ways out and i think that's really coming to the art of business where you can have platforms that help inform and you use the term decision support system those are different than decision management systems i think decision support systems are really machine to human right versus a decision management system which is ideally or you machine to machine hmm. and those machine to human systems um that provide intelligence and insights for strategic and tactical decision making exist but the full automation right the full cognitive computing capabilities to be able to pull that off uh, i think in most industries is pretty far away so uh to your listeners that were worried about job security i don't know if those are going to be you know taken with those type of systems uh at any time soon interesting um and i think thank you so much for uh, for some of the interesting uh and sharing your thoughts with us and we are at the tail end of of our, of our interview so i think one of the one of the parting question i ask almost with everyone is um what do you think 
is the role of decision management system in future of data? So what what do you think and what's your perspective? If I can have that, would be really helpful. Absolutely. I think the majority of companies aren't analytics competitors. They aren't. Uh, they're at, they have analytics aspirations. So as the market continues to adopt advanced analytics, more and more companies are going to be using decision management systems versus trying to build it in-house. So the future of what I see is an increased adoption rate. And as far as capabilities, I think you hit on some of the core ones. How do you integrate cognitive or artificial intelligence uh, into that decision-making process and be able to scale that? Um, how do you have that in the larger context? And also, how do you bring your key stakeholders together to say, yes, a decision management system is the right path? So the future, I think, is educating of prospects and, and stakeholders and uh, an increase in adoption because of that education uh, as more and more companies realize they need to compete on analytics. Beautiful. I think uh, I, 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 you couldn't have said any better than that. So definitely, uh, I appreciate your time and thank you so much for sitting with us and sharing candidly what do you think decision management systems are and how Innova is helping shape that landscape. I wish you all luck and success and definitely do come again and let us know how the journey takes you and what are some of the new things uh, you're adding to your portfolio that we can share with our subscriber. Thank you so much uh, for being part of uh, this conversation. Thank you for having me, uh, Vishal, and thank you all your listeners uh, for taking the time for this podcast. Beautiful. Uh, I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick. Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick. I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it. And I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Is the mic gone? I don't know how to work this. Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on a certain